welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 18 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. We are here in the second half of this 2021 year, a year filled with so many changes, evolutions, hopefully, if we can see that as a forward moving, progressive way of being. Thinking back to where we were one year ago at this time. And here in Northwest Michigan, in Traverse City specifically, this time of year is when the National Cherry Festival happens. And last year it didn't for, I believe, perhaps the only time. Maybe there's one other in the past around the time of the World War, if I'm thinking now about some of the historical references that were made previously. And I remember the first year we were living here in our house, which is adjacent to downtown. It's less than a mile to walk down into town or down to the nearest local beach. And I walked and biked and swam in that location frequently and still do. And at that time, I was making the trip back and forth between Oregon and Michigan. And this was a week I was due back in Michigan to work And I landed on the 4th of July. I thought, let me just go for a walk. And I did put on red, white, and blue clothes. The 4th of July is my parents' wedding anniversary in 1964. And so in our family, it was a big to-do. We always wore the colors. We would have celebrations. And the Bay City, Michigan fireworks are second to none. And actually, I just saw a post about them last night that was looking at the volume and the duration and the coordination of them. And they are absolutely spectacular and actually spoiled us for fireworks anywhere else. I've been to fireworks on the National Mall and they truly paled in comparison. I digress. Although, may pause here for a brief tangent, looking at fireworks and their implications, the dangers of them, the environmental consequences, the hazards to animals, and so perhaps taking the moment to re-examine why that is the method of celebration that we utilize and if it is the best one. And just like with osteopathic medicine, asking the question of why are we doing this? Is there something else we could be doing that is better, better for the health of all things? And if so, how can we encourage one another, support one another in making that shift and that transition? It can be hard to leave behind those traditions, those ways of being, ways of doing activities that are shared, particularly in the traditional space. And as we biked yesterday through town as many were gathering for the fireworks display. I was speaking with a friend and commenting on what it's like to know that so many people are sharing the same experience all over and how we tend to show up for these things because they are traditional and they are unifying and they create this sense of connection. And here's a yes and moment, you know, not to be a naysayer for the act of celebration in congregation, but in general, to think about what are we celebrating today? What are these methods that we're using? Why are we using them? And are they still the best way to 
honor what it is, to celebrate and to create that sense of connection and appreciation for this day that we've long held. And I think that's open for discussion. And I'd love to hear from you what your experience is of the fireworks display and perhaps maybe a suggestion for what an alternative might be. So there we are. We'll circle back around from that tangential point. And when I arrived on the 4th of July, I really didn't think about it. I hadn't been in Traverse City during the National Cherry Festival since my youth, maybe third grade. I certainly had never lived here during that time. And I had walked that waterfront so many times. And it would get various levels of busy during different parts of the year. But I wasn't expecting closures, fences, hundreds of porta-potties, and a whole carnival midway. (laughs) And I remember crossing the street and just thinking, wow, this is interesting. And taking that same walk through hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people all gathered, right? And Ferris wheels going around and elephant ears filling the air and just marveling at it. Thinking, wow, first of all, how amazing that I get to be at this beach every day. And here are people from all across the state and likely beyond who are coming here for this particular event. And I remember feeling very grateful that I was on foot and didn't have to deal with any traffic in this surround. And I thought back to all the different 4th of Julys I had celebrated in my hometown, in my adjacent to hometown space of Bay City, Michigan, at the National Mall in different countries, where of course this date holds very different meaning. And just reflecting on that, seeing that space of gathering. And I continued the walk and it got quieter as you moved to the margins. And I got to watch the fireworks display on that July 4th as I walked home, which was quite lovely. And this year, after last year's complete pause, and there were some various fireworks and people obtained them and put them off in various spaces in their private land. But it was quiet, generally speaking. And another side note, it was fascinating to me, not living in Michigan for a time, that fireworks could ever be fired, launched, not over water. It just didn't make any sense to me, right? Thinking about you're going to have this fire into the air, having water underneath it seemed like the only logical option. But recognizing that we happen to live in a space where water is an ample supply, all different varieties, lakes, ponds, rivers, and being in a space where it wasn't, and also a space that had a high burn risk. It was very concerning to me and also surprising in that space, but recognizing that we do adapt to the conditions in which we find ourselves in order to make these things happen. And again, a question to be raised. Should we, right? If we don't have the correct environment or the most favorable environment or the safest environment for this to happen, should we make adjustments in order to accommodate in that environment? Or should we say, what might be a more effective, appropriate method of celebrating in this environment where we find ourselves. And of course, I'm not referring only to fireworks on the 4th of July. And as I considered more about this day, all kinds of thoughts and feelings came up. And maybe for the first time, I didn't seek to put my children in coordinating red, white, and blue outfits I did wear those colors myself at one point during the day and adorned myself with some red at baseline from a misapplied sunscreen or a gap in the sunscreen application, which can happen at the end of a day 
at the beach and doesn't happen as often. I've gotten much better at it over the years, but we are still fallible as human beings. So public service announcement, perhaps quality control, have someone assist you or check on the application of the sunscreen or of course, always use obstructive clothing as an option. Did so for the upper half, not so for the lower half. So we'll get that out there for all of us because it is nice to be able to be outside and enjoy the sun in a way that is safe and sustainable for us in both the short and the long term. And as I considered more about the day, of course, the word independence came through. And I happened to have some interesting discussions, somewhat separate, distinct from the day itself, regarding the act of having a child in this country and the costs associated with it, both the costs of having the child, literally the healthcare costs for prenatal care and delivery, postpartum care. Then we think about the costs of childcare, and we think about the costs that may be incurred for loss of income, for paternal leave, maternal leave, family leave, and the challenges that surround it. And when we think about the concepts of freedom, taking pause to say, is there freedom that exists in a system where you have to right, structure your timing of pregnancy and delivery and childcare around the health insurance that you carry, work requirements, education, all of that. Not to say that childbearing, child rearing shouldn't have some thoughtfulness and foresight and planning, but at the same time, recognizing how many have to, I'm saying have to, they choose to make the decisions around, right? What they can afford if their health insurance covers it. And I recall for myself, I was, you know, had my oldest son as an intern and really as a senior med student. But if you see, I'm in that gap space between these two places and you have student health insurance, which isn't great, but it's available. And then you have insurance because you become an employee as a resident, as an intern, you are an employee of the hospital system or the academic institution for which you are working and insurance is there. But oftentimes the caveat is that you won't be covered for a pregnancy or a delivery within the first year, sometimes longer, because some insurances will view it as, oh, you're getting this insurance because you just found out you're pregnant and we're not going to cover that as a pre-existing condition. And we see some shifts in the rules around that and more recent changes politically and policy-wise but it still is constantly part of the process where we say, will we be able to afford this financially, timing-wise? How will it impact our career? And there's very little support around that. And to me, that doesn't feel like freedom, right? That feels like a lot of constraint and restriction and limitation and inhibition. And again, not belittling the point of having some thoughtfulness and planning around managing children, but just taking a moment and thinking of that fear factor that comes in and how decisions are driven. And we could look at that across the whole spectrum of choices around becoming pregnant, continuing a pregnancy, maintaining a pregnancy, sustaining a pregnancy, being healthy throughout and beyond and into those early childcare days and what that's like when there really is very little built in to be supportive of a person. And the stratification that happens for those who do have those resources, for those who do have all of that in place, and how that can begin to shift the capacity and the opportunities for 
those who have and those who have not in the country. So something to think about. Not everywhere that I was going here today, but I think worth pondering. And I don't discount the freedoms we do have in this country. Absolutely not. And it's still worth asking these questions. In fact, that is the premise by my understanding, by my awareness, by my study of osteopathy is to appreciate what the system does have to offer, right? What medicine in this present time is doing. Amazing, as I've shared with you, right? My son went from fully fractured femur, right? To running the 400 meters in 105 days. That's amazing. And there's opportunities to say, what parts of this perhaps are not serving the health? Or where are the gaps where the health is not being supported? How can we build the infrastructure, the structure for better function in this space? And so by challenging the lack of freedom in a certain area of our existence in this country is not discounting the freedoms that do exist. It's not an all or none. It's not a like it or leave it. It's a this is working. This isn't working so well. What can we bring forward in this space? And so the word I really wanted to focus on is independence. And really, independence is just the act of or the way of being independent. And so we're going to come to the root word independent here and look at some of these alternative definitions and offerings and see what comes through for us. As we think about Independence Day and we think about this act of separating from becoming our own entity and what else we might be able to draw from that and how we are engaging with independence in our own lives. And so independent, interestingly, we define by not dependent, right? So we're simply negating another word or another state of being, which is always a fascinating way to approach the understanding of something. Just like I shared with you in the past, when I asked students the question, what is a DO? Often we will begin with, right? Well, it's like an MD, but, or it's an MD like this, or it's like an MD, but with these shifts around it. And can you define something without the original word? Perhaps. So if we're thinking of independent as not dependent, let's dive into that deeper. And thank you, Miriam Webster, for bringing us through this. So not subject to control by others. And just thinking about that for a moment, and maybe through that example around the child-rearing space, right? Not subject to control by others. So is there independence in that process? And if you think about events that are happening in your daily life, where are you not subject to control by others? And you might say, well, nowhere, right? I'm the boss of me. I'm in charge of me. And that's fantastic. Noticing that sense of agency, that sense of autonomy, that sense of self-governance, and noticing how you have come to that, what allows you to be confident and clear in your capacity to be fully in charge of you. And recognizing that all of us had that opportunity at our core. And we can look at that in terms of control over our own thoughts, feelings, and actions. And when we're looking at frustration and challenges that arise, recognizing again that when we extend our responsibility into a sphere that encompasses things that we cannot actually control, that's where the frustration and challenge comes in. And so if we begin to say, I am ever independent because I am not subject to control by others over my thoughts, feelings, or actions, there can be this sense of relief 
sometimes a sense of daunting responsibility, but an opportunity to say, oh yes, I have independence built in, internal. It is inherent to my way and state of being. So there's that aspect of it. And now you might say, well, no, because there are spaces and places where people are being abused and punished, and they are very much under the control of others. And here can be a yes and moment. And there are many beautiful examples of people who have been imprisoned, right, and taken against their will and still maintained that essence of control over themselves, over those thought, feeling, action, internal ways of being. And I've shared with you the profound impact of the book, The Choice by Dr. Edith Eager had on me. And I think that's one space absolutely where we can look. We can look to the work and writing and way of being of Nelson Mandela and how even in the space where many parts of his life were not under his own control, he contained, maintained, sustained that independence of his spirit, of his way of being. So there's that. And notice where perhaps you are relinquishing control that is actually yours to have and where you are assuming control over that which is not yours to control and where perhaps realigning those spheres of influence might offer you some space, some ease, some relief. Also thinking about independent is not affiliated with a larger controlling unit. And this is an interesting conversation to have in the practice of medicine. We see right now that there is a movement toward conglomeration, toward buyouts, toward mergers. Here in the state of Michigan, there is a proposed merger between Spectrum and Beaumont, which would make for the largest healthcare system in the state. And we could think about the benefits of that. We could also think about the small is beautiful approach, which is a a fascinating book and concept to explore. And recognizing what the benefits are, are taking a moment, seeing both sides of the picture. And we can think about how we have seen acts of consistency. We see how the world seeks at times that homogeneity, and we could call that consistency as well, of branding. We see why Starbucks and McDonald's and Amazon are so successful. Right? You know what you're getting. You're looking at the timing. You can see the flavors, the taste, the way of being. There are guarantees around it that are made possible by the large scale. Now, I'm not endorsing or demonizing any of these specifically, but just noticing what we are literally buying into and supporting because we're seeking those aspects. And then we can take a look at the opposite view and notice the independent stores and the independent ways of being and what the benefits there might be. So perhaps if you go bookshop to bookshop all across the country, independent bookstores, you may not know exactly what you're going to find. They may not have every volume, but right, they have their own essence, their own flavor, their own way of being. And if you approach it from that mindset, because you can always control your thoughts going in, right? If it is, I expect to find this book that I want at this exact right time. And bearing in mind, most independent bookstores have amazing suppliers. And so they can get the book for you in relatively short order, even if it's not on the shelf. And at the same time, you have the opportunity to step into that space and say, I'm willing to see what collection they have curated. Perhaps I'll find a book I never would have considered. And perhaps it's not always about finding the exact book in the exact moment, but about the experience when I'm here. 
And the same for those spaces where we might be consuming a food or a beverage. Yes, it might not fit the exact flavor profile because it's not being made on such a broad scale, but maybe it will be a different flavor profile or combination or experience that you wouldn't have otherwise. And allowing for that uniqueness to be a valuable shift rather than noticing the expectation of a very specific result. And when that's not upheld, we have disappointment in that space. And notice for yourself, for me, I went from working for a very large healthcare institution and there were benefits, right? There were different benefits that were available to me for that. And there were also challenges. And I could decide which were worth more to me, which were worth continuing or which were worth stepping away from in order to cultivate more independence. I went all the way to the opposite end of that spectrum in a solo private practice. And same thing there. It wasn't perfect, but there were shifts in the challenges. And I was very much in control and responsible for what was happening. But there was freedom. There was nimbleness in that small is beautiful space. And so just noticing what it's like to be affiliated with a larger controlling unit. And sometimes we might choose that. And other times we may seek to remain smaller, more beautiful, independent. And we can think about that on this day, right? As the 4th of July is being celebrated all across the United States of America, we are all buying into, right? We are all part of this larger, I'd say controlling unit, right? We are subjecting ourselves to governance there. Independent, not requiring or relying on something else, not contingent. And just noticing that, So how many times have you taken on a task or project and thought, well, I can do this when they, and here in town, here's an example. They are updating sidewalks in our neighborhood, which is pretty walkable by many standards, but they're looking to make it broadly accessible. So ADA compliance on the slope of the intersections and putting sidewalk on all blocks, all sides. And we could talk about the different measures and necessities and appropriateness of this, but that's the current project. And its purpose is to improve walkability, bikeability, and access for all with all different physical abilities. And so they did a lot of demo deconstruction, pulling out, paving the way, you know, carving out the sidewalk zones. And then the subcontractors with the concrete were not available, right? The timing of the projects didn't work. So there was definite contingency in that space. One part of the project continuing required someone else to do their part. And it's currently in a pause. We have a lot of torn up intersections and holding space for that big picture option is important here, but it's also noticing how much do you or can you do yourself, right? And when you do rely on others, how does that impact the way in which you continue your work forward? And so this is a dependent project and an independent project would be where one person, company, entity would do all of those parts. You know, that may or may not be possible. May or may not be logical. It may or may not be financially viable. But just recognizing when we do pull others in, we become, right, reliant, dependent on what they do. And that's not to say no to teamwork, right? Collaboration is one of my key and core values. And delegation is a skill I continue to work on honing. And at the same time, recognizing when, when we had the latitude and perhaps this project had a timeline, okay, we can wait one week, two weeks, whatever it is to get these subcontractors back to complete this portion of the project. We have just allowed for this 
contingency. And there might be times when you say, no, I need to be, right, or I choose to be, if we're going to be more coaching appropriate with our language, in charge of all of this in order to not require someone else's action to stand in the way of us moving forward. Other versions of that are not looking to others for one's opinions or for guidance and conduct. And this is an interesting space. And one for me that has evolved as a six on the Enneagram. And we could talk about this in multiple episodes. Maybe I'll bring back my first guest because we're coming around to that one year anniversary, Dr. Francis Yu. We could have a broad conversation about how the Enneagram can influence our capacity toward independence, how it could influence that would be an interesting concept. But as a six, oftentimes there is a seeking of approval and surveying. Are we going to do something? Let me just check in with a bunch of people. And one space where I see a strong shift in this was when we made our first move from Michigan to Oregon. And if you've been with me, you know there have been many twos and fro's and all good, all in their own appropriate time. But there really was very little surveying in that very significant decision for different reasons, business reasons and logistical reasons. It just wasn't part of the plan, part of the option. And so that was a space where it was. We just together, my husband and I made this core decision for a family without seeking many opinions for guidance in conduct. And you might say, well, now you did all these twos and fro's. Maybe <laughs> outside guidance would have been helpful. And I could say yes and. We could never know all of the ins and outs of that experience until we did it, right? We could listen to others from their past experience, but that's past experience, not informing the current present moment for us, right? And it took going through that process to understand the unfolding, to begin to build our own connections in that space. And so while it can be super helpful to hear from others, listen to wisdom, gain from past experience and make your own decision, there are other times when it is about being independent in that choosing. Another option here, another definition, is not requiring or relying on others. And we think about this in the spectrum of maturation and parenting, as we've talked about this a bit more than I expected, but we welcome the words to come through as they will in these episodes. Parenting, right, levels of independence and dependence of our children. And for various levels and capacities, this stage might last longer for others and may last indefinitely, depending on the neurological and cognitive capacities and physical limitations, perhaps, of our children and of ourselves. That can evolve for us. Right? We can go from being independent to dependent, depending on illness, trauma, injury, whatever that might be. And so just recognizing what it's like to be fully independent, right? You don't require or rely on anyone else for your care, for your livelihood. And then what it's like to be dependent. And that can be challenging for some to navigate between those spaces. I can think about simply when I had my abdominal injury, I went from being independent to relatively dependent, right? Assistance in moving things around, getting myself from places, lifting things where I normally wouldn't have to ask for that help. And even that small degree of return to dependence was really challenging to navigate. It's just noticing that when we might be thrown into a state of dependency and how we can gain appreciation for the times we do have independence, how we can gain appreciation for the gifts we have of those who can contribute when we do require care from others. And so if we think again about independence, 
What does it look and feel like for you? And if I think about it as a feeling, right? I'm feeling independent today. What's that like? And if I close my eyes and picture it, and you can close your eyes as well, if that's a safe thing for you to do. Otherwise, you can just envision with the eyes open what independent might feel like and how that feeling might be described. It feels big, broad, expansive. It feels like taking a deep breath. It feels elevating. It feels light. It feels like it's moving, but in a sustainable, relatively slow pace. I just see this percolating cloud lifting up of independence almost into this hot air balloon visualization coming through. And that feeling of independence coming from a thought might be, I can do this. I am in charge of me. I'll often think of the friends line. I am the boss of me, right? I have the capacity to do this. I am capable. I am able. If you think about the live in conceivable model, right? That's the end of it. A-B-L-E is the end of that word. And thinking about what you are able to do. And allowing for all wide range of abilities and noticing where spaces of independence exist, where dependency might exist, and how we can navigate between them. And one thing I wanted to touch on, because when I think about independence, we can oftentimes shift to disconnect, right? Especially if we're thinking about the 4th of July and this separation from. And like I shared with you, there's this sense of inability to engage, right? That act of being independent means I'm not contingent on anyone else's actions for this to go through, for my idea to work, for my project to happen. But how can we perhaps more effectively navigate independence, right? So in that space of autonomy and agency and taking responsibility for ourselves with connectedness. And how might that be possible? Can we be independent beings in the oneness of the whole? And can we still see ourselves? We think about these concepts and examples with water, and we can't identify the unique individual drops just on the gross level looking into the water. We can distill it down. We can isolate them. We have the capacity to do that at the molecular level. And so we can simply know that there are these independent molecules and atoms present that are also part of the whole, right? So we can honor both. We can honor that independence, that state of being uniquely ourselves, fully in control of our thoughts, feelings, actions, our interaction, engagement with the world. And we can see that state of connectedness, being part of the whole, being part of the oneness that supports the health of all things. And we take that perspective We have the opportunity to honor the unique, brilliant, beautiful capacity in each of us and the amazing, expansive, powerful way of being in the whole that invites, perhaps even requires that state of independence and that act of coming together. So I'd love to hear from you on your feelings of independence, where are spaces you may not feel as independent as you might like, how it might be to take control of your own thoughts, feelings, and actions, and know that no matter what situation you might encounter, you have the capacity to honor, uphold, and sustain your own independence. And how it feels to come together, to meet with another, 
in that space of wholeness. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.